Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I've got a problem. Oh. I've got a really big problem. Right. Have I, you seen a doctor about it? Well, I don't know that doctors can fix this problem. Um, I, I watch Rugby League and I enjoy the game. And I feel like I'm the only person in the media, because I'm, I'm starting to embrace that I'm part of the media now, but I feel like I'm the only person in the media that actually enjoys rugby league anymore. This, yeah, this is a problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like really, an outsider. The problem you've got here, mate, is that this is something that is strongly linked with old age. Oh, okay. So you need to drink something that makes you youthful. Ah, like copious amounts of alcohol until I have liver, liver damage. Well, that'll that'll turn you into a journalist. Oh, um, okay. okay. Coffee. Coffee. Well, you know, I like to drink my coffee three yards at a time. So I, I'm doing my best with that. I think, yeah, you know what? You maybe go with four. Okay. Just be on the safe side. I'll up it. We'll see how we go with it. <laughs> Because yeah, because I, I watch this, I watch games, and none of the commentators enjoy the game. And then I listen on the radio, and none of the people on the radio are enjoying the game. And I'm just watching these games, and I'm like, man, these are really good games. I, I feel like something's wrong with me. So, um, yeah, I feel like there's some sort of way to combat that. Then again, I did see some of the rugby union World Cup. I saw that on TV for about thirty seconds, and it just made me love rugby league so much. <laughs> it, it's interesting that um, Phil Gould has gone from being a staunch rugby league advocate to being a staunch rugby league um, death rider. Mm. Yeah, and it's funny how that happened, like pretty much from the moment that he wasn't earning money directly from a club and it was just earning money directly from a media organisation. It's probably a coincidence, though, you know. Well, I will say he has been doing this since last year. Like, mm-hmm. He started going off the rails when they had the rest crackdown last year on, you know, clean up the ruck and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He went troppo over that shit. Oh, they're killing the game. <laughs> the sky's mm-hmm. falling. Yep. Um, and this is just an extension of that. It, the thing that's interesting is... Um, he was pretty keen and still is on this whole notion of getting rid of the, the wrestle in the ruck. And yep. I agree. We need to get rid of that. Um, the referees made an attempt to do that last year with that massive crackdown they had. Mm-hmm. And Phil Gould responded to that by saying, there's too many penalties. Only call the obvious ones. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the obvious ones that he thinks are obvious. Yeah. And obviously when you start calling certain penalties but not all of them you are inviting um inconsistency to creep into the refereeing and you're making their job harder yeah um but Todd Greenberg said okay you know what rest will now only call the obvious ones they'll use the sin bin more often though and no one complained for yep. you know that week anyway yeah yeah that was like it was really good, and then the referees were bad again. Apparently, yeah, because they started saying, "Oh, there's too many players being sin binned." Yeah, said, well, you've, we've got to penalise them in some degree for the breaches of the rules that they make. 
if we can't blow a pen on him, we can't send him, what the hell are we supposed to do? Yeah, and I actually heard, um, I think it was Paul Kent on Triple M today, and he made a really, really good point. Um, and I, I almost swerved off the road. I He was saying how, like, the referees, you know, people bag the referees for giving players in pretending the bin. And then, but then it comes down to, well, they say, oh, let's not do the obvious penalties and then let's give them five in the bin and it just gets broken down and broken down. And it's just by people in the media. It's no one else wants it. And, but he was saying the 10 in the bin is supposed to be a deterrent. You know, Mm. it's supposed to be something that is in the back of your mind if you're thinking of doing something so you don't do it. And I've always had that thing about when people say, oh, change it to five in the bin or something. And it's like, then it becomes a tactic. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so that's why I think if a penalty isn't working in its current form, and let's be honest, they're not, mm-hmm. then the penalty is obviously not hard enough. So make yeah. the penalty bigger. Yeah. Make it make it 15 in the bin. If that doesn't work, 20 in the bin. If that doesn't work, then stuff it. Send them off. We'll say At if... some point, we're going to get to a point where they go, you know what, we're not going to keep trying to breach the rules anymore. We're going to start yeah. playing in the proper spirit of the game. Well, say, what would be a penalty? Like, say you, you've got 10 in the bin now for different offences. What would be one that you could straight away apply and and think to yourself, yeah, if that was 15 in, in the bin, I wouldn't find that outrageous? Well, I've, I've long believed that if someone's worthy enough to go and report for something, mm-hmm. then they should probably go to the sin bin as well. Mm-hmm. And that should count as... That should that should take some off their loading at the same time. Yeah, maybe maybe twenty points off their loading. Okay, because it's inter- it's interesting you say that because with and we're going to talk about this incident with Cameron Smith just now, but with this Cameron Smith incident, when it happened, I was thinking like pretty straightforward, like it was just ten in the bin, you know, yep. not, not an issue. And then, but I was thinking with an incident like that, does the ten he sent in the bin? get taken into account when they look at how many points he is going to get. Because I think that in certain circumstances, it should. If you've kind of already accepted some sort of penalty for what you've done on the field, and accepted may maybe the wrong word, but if you've had some sort of penalty already, um, some instances I think don't need an extra penalty on top of that. No, I, I agree with that. I'm not too sure if that if that happens or not. Yeah, but if it doesn't, it should. Like if a yeah. player gets sent off, um, I'm pretty sure it was kind of an unwritten rule that if you got sent off in a game, and it was especially if it was in the first half of a game, mm. that was kind of seen as one week of your suspension already served. Mm-hmm. Which I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, and yeah I, I don't know if it's included or not anymore because I think if if you could actually say to someone, okay, you know what if you get sent off, then that's going to be say let's say eighty points of loading that no longer goes in your account, yeah, okay, so if you get pinged with hundred and fifty points for an incident, mm-hmm. you've already done eighty, you've only got seventy gun on your account, you don't get a week's suspension for it, you've already served that time in that game, and let's yeah. be honest, it's the game that matters the most because that's the one where you did the infringement against. Yeah. And the team that suffered from that gets the benefit of that player not being on the field for the rest of the game. Makes sense to me. Yeah, it does, um, yeah. I'd be happy enough with that. Um, it might also mean that if they could bring that in that way, that 
it might see referees use the send off more often, which you means they can they... use the send bin more often. I think it could be a way of um, cracking down on a lot of these, you know, shitty little acts that go on, mm-hmm. or acts that infringe on the play pretty severely. They could crack down on harder than just issuing out a penalty. Yeah, yeah. See, it makes me wonder. Like, I mean, surely because a game, uh, the way the points go, a game is one hundred points. Um, surely they could work out what like uh, one eighth of one hundred points is. I'm sure somebody out there's like, oh, this idiot doesn't know. There you go. See, <laughs> sixteen. That's that's why I work with a statistician just to do my math. I was twelve. There you go. I was a bit out. Twelve. Ah, oh, there we go. You're fired. You're I'm fired. fired. Pack all your stuff. You're fired. <laughs> That's okay. It's always it's always ticking the box. Just waiting for me to get fired again. <laughs> Back again. Oh, shit. But uh, but yeah, it's interesting. So anyway, it brings us into talk of this game that we watched because this is going to be a little bit of a review of the Storms' thirty-two points to zero victory over the Parramatta Eels at Amy Park in front of 21,015 people. Can I say, we mm-hmm. we did kind of call this. Like we said, it was yeah. either going to be a, a very close game that Parramatta might win. Not that we had any confidence of that, but we we did expect that Cam, um, Melbourne would turn up and put you know turn the screws here and, and put on a clinical display. And yeah, they did and, just that. And they did it for... Exactly eighty minutes, which is just crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't even as though the eels were catastrophically bad. The storm just refused to allow them to play any part in this football game. Yeah, it was just, as I mean, as we mentioned, it was like that game against Melbourne against Manly a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that case. Um, you know, Manly wasn't playing that badly either. They were just strangled out of the match. Yeah, and you actually brought that up when we were doing the preview. You were like, you kind of expected it to go more that way. And, yeah, really good comparison. Um, it, like, it's it's hard to talk about this game because the Storm were, they were absolutely clinical. The Eels, I think, there were a few players that were a little bit disappointing. I thought that Mitchell Moses was very quiet. Um, I thought Gutherson wasn't very good, and, and, and like he tried, but I don't think he was that good. I think Sevo, um, I was he had a, bit a few up- brain explosions. Yeah, I mean, the the shoulder charge penalty that went against him, like to be honest, I had no problems with it at all. It's like if he had wrapped his arm around half decently, it would have just been a good tackle. So it wasn't like yeah. he did anything bad, but. I felt as though once I watched that game and I sort of saw the way Sevo reacted to the contest, and you've got to keep in mind he was playing out across from, you know, a Fijian test winger and one of the best wings in the game. I feel I felt as though maybe Sevo would have been good if Parramatta very early in the week said, no, nah, no one's talking to him, go away, he's not available, and just kept him chilled rather than... Um, allowing the, I guess, the hype and stuff to get through to him, you know? Well, this is a crazy thing, and I don't know if you noticed or not, but the media were going crazy over Parramatta leading into that game. Mm -hmm. Like, you looked in the newspapers, you looked on the NRL website, 
they're all talking about Parramatta. All these great stories about Parramatta. Oh, the Parramatta is Parramatta. This is why they can win. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I went. Why all the hype now? Like you've had all year to do these positive things and and give them a bit of hype and a bit of a push, and you've waited until now, only for them to get absolutely decimated. Yeah, I would like to know if Peter Sterling still thinks that Mitchell Moses is the new him. Well, like, I'd like to know if he's moved on from his proclamation that Tim Smith was his replacement. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> it was one of them games. Um, I tell you who did did impress me, and let me find the team list here. Um, Dylan Brown for the Eels. He's only a youngster, but he was one that the occasion did not affect him. In fact, if anything, it seemed to bring out his best. I was very impressed with him. Um, what did you think about his performance? Yeah, I'm with you. I think he was. Um remarkably cool mm-hmm. given that he was in his first ever final series mm. and playing in a team that was getting absolutely hammered. Yeah. Um, Moses was offering nothing in attack. Yeah. And usually when you've got a young, a young half next to a halfback who's getting dominated, they too go in their shell a bit. Yeah. And we, we saw it in the first two seasons with at Penrith there when, when, um, Cleary's partner would, would go struggling, usually Maloney, I think it was. Um, yeah. Cleary would go a bit quiet as well. Mm-hmm. And that changed a bit this year, but, um, yeah, Dylan Brown, he doesn't look overawed by the by the occasion. Yeah, he, he that, and that's one of the things, when you see a young player like that, um, you know, and he's in a hostile environment, it was the worst conditions for Parramatta to be playing the Storm in, and he just... Uh, comfortable's the wrong word. He he grew in the moment, and to me, that's like it. When I see that, I'm like, man, keep keep an eye on this one. Um, I tell you, another player I thought played well for Parramatta was Reed Mahoney. I thought he played really well considering, um, and that really, I mean, there were some pretty average performers in this Parramatta team, but those two youngsters really stood out for me. Yeah, and um. Moni was 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 quite solid, uh, especially mm. coming up against like Cameron Smith. Mm. Um, which I mean, I suppose we should get into that one incident. Yeah, well, it reminded me of. Uh, have you ever seen that video? Um, How can she slap? Nope. Okay, <laughs> I'll show it to you after. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, good. so Look, it was, yeah. it was an interesting thing. So um, Cameron Smith um, kicked the ball downfield. And at the same time, Moni came along and, you know, just wrapped his arms around him as any tackle goes on. And then fallen over because Smith was unbalanced. And Moni's held onto his jumper for, I don't know, five or six seconds, I guess, as Cameron Smith's trying to get to his feet. So Cameron Smith swats his armor away, or tries to the first time, hits it the second time, and then smacks him open handed, fair in the, look like fair in the forehead. Yeah, but Just it a... was the camera angle. <laughs> <laughs> it was either the forehead or the top of the head or the yeah. chin. Either way, it was his God. head. Yeah, it was all head. <laughs> the fucking camera angle. <laughs> camera angle. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, I, I agree it was the camera angle. It, it was pointed at the incident so you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every angle showed it. Yeah. Um, 
and there was a referee standing within a meter of the right incident. There. Like Smith and could have literally smacked Mahoney and then smacked the ref. He was so close. <laughs> yeah, if, if he didn't, if he had a, had a big uh, follow through with his slap swing, he would have hit the referee at the same yeah. time. <laughs> um, but yeah, some of the arguments I've seen people saying is, oh, you know, he should be allowed to, to slap at him to get someone to let go of his jumper. And my argument was, how long do you think Mooney was going to hang on to his jumper for? Because yeah. all these people are saying that, I oh, know, he was keeping Smith out of the play, but at the same time, they don't they seem to forget that Mooney wasn't in the play either. Well, I tell you what, there was, there was this, it reminded me, right? Because I do, you see people say, oh, it's just a slap, right? And from memory, years and years and years ago, there was this fighting championship called Pancrase Fighting, where you weren't allowed to use close fists, right? You had to use, you could slap, but there were no close fists allowed. And so there was this uh, fighter, and he went on to become a UFC champion called Baz Rutten. And he was like, well, that's fine. And he started beating the fuck out of people with open hand, like basically open hand punches. And so whenever people say, oh, slap, it's just a slap, I think like, yeah, if you allow slaps to happen, you watch these these Baz Rutten sort of bombs start being thrown with open hands. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> exactly right. And look, the the rule is clear that striking is um, not allowed. Yep. And the rule also states that there is referee discretion on how they how they penalise it. They can either issue a penalty, a sin bin, a send off. Mm-hmm. Now. A few years ago, I think it might have been 2016, 2017, the NRL came out and said we would be, we, we would just kind of urge or encourage the referees to send in players if they suspect someone's hit someone else in the face mm-hmm. with, a, with an open hand or with a closed fist. Mm-hmm. Either or, treat them all the same. So that's the rule. That's the way it is. I've had yeah. people trying to trying to argue that it's just a guideline. I'm going, no, no, the the rule is clear. Cameron Smith did break the rule, and yeah. it's it would also remind me of a comment that uh, Wayne Bennett made in his press conference, mm. and that was about Cody Walker because mm. he got suspended for a, you know an open hand hit to the face as well in the in that game. Yeah, and Wayne Bennett said. Um, if you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to sail close to the wind, then you, you need to be prepared to cop the consequences, whatever they may be. Mm. He wasn't defending Cody Walker. No. And, and he, Cody he Walker it... didn't defend himself either in no. the post-match. And this is the thing is, Wayne Bennett said, I didn't see the incident, but if what happened has happened and he hit him, then I've got no problem with it. That's yeah. the rules. I mean, he's not even blown up about it. And I don't even think... Um, like Craig Bellamy didn't have a massive blop over it either. No, no. He said um, when they Cameron's... asked him about it, he just said, um, "Oh, I was just pretty happy with the boys and how they how they hold on in that period." Yeah, and like Cameron Smith after the game too, he was like, "Yeah, he got me," you know. And he's talking about Mahoney, like you know, dragging him into the penalty, um, so that he did that. He said, "I lost my head," and he got me one. He got me a good one. Um, so yeah, it was very straightforward. It was a it was a sin binning, and it was another really. How good were the referees? The referees this weekend were absolutely. I mean, I, I they were about as close to perfect as you can get. 
yeah, I, I had no drama with them. If there was any issues with any decisions they made, they were minor. Yeah. You know, yeah, really important. I had, had people saying, oh, there should have been one incident where someone should have been sim bin, but they weren't. I'm going, you're calling up one wrong decision against four good ones. Mm. If a referee is going to get 80% of their calls right, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I'll take that all day because I tell you what, the players make way more mistakes than that. Yes, they do. So next week we've got, well, sorry, this weekend, sorry, we've got um, Canberra taking on Manly? No, South. Souths, yeah, in Canberra. Canberra taking on South and the Roosters playing Melbourne. A DSCG, yeah. Um, the SCG game is going to be pretty amazing. Uh, I would not, I would not blow up at anybody that said this is the grand final, you know, and the grand final is always the grand final. The grand final comes with all sorts of more pressure and, and things during the week you got to deal with and stuff. But I feel as though the premiers will come out of that game. Um, and for South really need to improve to beat the Raiders, but at the same time, the Raiders, uh, they're having to deal with the week off, which it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that if they've worked themselves up too much over it. And then they've got to shake the, the choker tag for me before I I really... I, I'm this still waiting is, for them to choke, you know? That's the main thing, is that... Can we all remember the last time when Canberra won in week three of the finals? Mm. 1994. Yeah. None of these players have gone through it. And Not I went, one. And I think, and I was talking about it today on the radio, if it's teams like the Storm, um, the Rabbitohs even, uh, the Roosters, the week off, I think you've got to do it before you can get comfortable with it and before you know how to handle it. I think if you if it's the first time you've done it, I don't think you really know how to handle it. And you can have a coaching staff and all that that's been through it before, but I, I worry almost like a state of origin game with some youngsters where they'll say, and we've heard great players say this, where they, they're like, you know, you got the 10 days off and I thought about it, thought about it. And when I got to the game, I was absolutely exhausted because I'd played this game a hundred times in my head. Um, yeah. And I worry about that with teams that haven't done that before, especially this Raiders team who in the past we have seen them choke in the finals and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Souths. Um, Souths need to improve way, way, way out of sight to beat the Raiders, I think. But, um, you know, if, if Souths come out and played the way they did against the Roosters in the final round of the NRL season... It's going to be an absolutely brilliant game. Absolutely, there is there is a fact, a stat, I should say, mm-hmm. that Canberra will be happy to hear. Yeah, nine of the last ten premiers uh, had the week off in week two. Oh wow, uh, that's that's pretty telling. Um, that is. The other thing too is we've seen actually in the last in the last decade as well. Quite a lot of droughts broken. Yeah, we have. We so have. So we've had we had South break their forty odd year drought. We had Cowboys win their first premiership. We had the Sharks break their drought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very often you get three big droughts like that done in the in the same decade. Yeah. So 
there's those little things which are on Canberra side. Um, one thing that's going to guess them over the last decade is no team outside the top three has won the premiership in the last ten years. Oh wow, I didn't know it was it was the top three. That's interesting. Mm. Um, I, you know what I feel as though yeah, South Sydney. South Sydney were lucky to finish where they finished, I thought. I thought they kind of come home with a very wet sail. Um, so they did. Like, I, you know. And something something that happened too, which uh, you mentioned in the last, in the uh, previews, mm-hmm. was those South edges being targeted. And you can yeah. bet your bottom dollar camera's going to go after them hard. Well, Roberts was terrible, and, and yeah. so was Gagai. Yep. Um, and they're going to need a big, big change in how they play. I think that I wouldn't be shocked if Bennett changed things around a little bit, you know. Um, Roberts has been a real bad buy for them. Yeah, I don't know what they do with him. Mm. No idea what they do with him. Um, Gagai, you've at least got the freedom of putting Gagai in the wing and he'll be fine there because he's he's done that more often than not. And mm-hmm. as we both said, he's a better winger than he's a centre. Um so, what about just uh, on on centres? Will Chambers, he come off the bench for the Melbourne Storm, and he come off the bench late, and he replaced Vunavalu, which to me was almost a um. I mean, that's almost a will give you one last run for the club sort yeah. of thing, you know. I can't see them being able to carry Will Chambers on the bench, and I I think that I like the way that. Scott and Olam played on the weekend. I I think Scott Chambers. Is, I've got to drop yeah, him. Yeah, Scott is so much better. Mm. Um, and Chambers has been hanging on for about two seasons now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I know I've said it before too. I I wouldn't be surprised if Melbourne said, um, it's been real. It's been real good having you on here, Will, but, you know, business is business. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of clubs I would say, nah, they're not going to drop him, but I feel as though the Storm would be one of those clubs that would be like, man, we're sorry, but we're trying to win a premiership here. And to Will Chambers' credit, I think he would be really upset. I think he'd be filthy at it, but I think he would understand that that's how it's got to be because I I just can't carry him on the bench against the Roosters. Do you think if he got on the open market, the the Broncos would take him? Ooh, um, if he was on the right money for a season, he might be a good stopgap measure. I think, especially for a young team like the Broncos, like I wouldn't have him at, say, the Titans, because, you know, you're just burning the season on Will Chambers. But I think that his experience might be handy for the Broncos. Mm. Um, but it'd only be one season, and it'd be for a, not much money. Yeah, I think he'd be handy at the Broncos for one, two seasons at a stretch. Um, same reason. They need some experience, and they need it in the backs especially if they're going to be getting rid of Boyd and a few others there as well. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even be... If they said, look, we're getting Will Chambers for a year or two and he's the captain next year, I'd be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Well, 
there was a suggestion from Daily Telegraph. I can't remember which writer it was. Mm-hmm. Don't really care. Um, <laughs> who suggested that Matt Lodge was one of the front runners to become captain next year. And I think, in my mind, that was put out there purely as a way to get clicks and links and chatter going on in the article and not actual fact. But if that's actually been considered, Seabold is off his fucking nut. Yeah. And if he does end up being a captain, they deserve him as the captain. Um, that would be disgusting. And I, uh, you know, the fact that he's playing at the club shows you that there's plenty of excuses being made there for him. Um, you know, because I was just about to say, you'd hope that someone at the club would have more sense than to do that, but he's playing for them. So, f- fuck. You know, what can you say? That would be gross, though, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be. Now, speaking of gross, mm-hmm. and this is one more for uh, the Dragons fans. Yes. Apparently, the review into the Dragons Club has been completed. Mm-hmm. And surprise, surprise, Paul McGregor looks like he's going to retain his job. Well, I just feel sorry for the Dragons fans. Like, after that season that they've had, stand alone, um, he should be fired. And when you put it with his accumulated record and the fact that the club has brought some very good plays to that club, he should just be fired. He should have been fired a long time ago. They obviously can't afford to pay him out. Yeah. Um, just to double down on that too. Um, there's talk that he's he's a big marquee signing that he's looking at for next year is Jack Bird. Yeah, and Bird is a pretty handy player, but he's never when he's on the field. Yeah. yeah. So, and the last thing that they need is somebody that's just injured all the time, and they're hoping that he comes back in. And you know, I mean, you just and Widdop wasn't the same sort of play. Widdop was very unlucky with injuries, but just look at what it's like when you have a marquee player that doesn't play for large stretches of the season. It's devastating. Um, exactly. And, and so, yeah, Bird would be terrible. I, they, uh, I was calling their reserve grade team, Canterbury Cup team, and I've called the, their Canterbury Cup team a few times. Uh, Stephen Masters, centre for the Canterbury Cup side for the Dragons. Very, very good centre. I cannot believe he didn't get a whole season in first grade. He's dominated at Canterbury Cup level. Um, one of those players that there's a there's a, like a few of them that you've I've watched them play and it's like, oh, this is a first grader. He's one of the best of them. And he's going to South Sydney next year, unfortunately. So they've lost him. And it makes me wonder how that is even possible. Oh, no idea. Um, the thing that's crazy about this, and we're chatting about this before we start, um, the board is expecting a fan backlash, but there was nowhere else to go for them once Shane Flanagan was ruled out of a head coaching position until 2022. And so this made it clear that the club were always going to keep McGregor because they said, okay, we're going to line up a replacement for you, knowing full well that he's currently banned and can't replace you. So you're safe, Paul. But yeah. we'll make we'll make it out to try and keep the fans on side and keep them happy. We'll make it out like we're trying to replace you. 
and we'll get Shane to see if we can go and get his band lifted and stuff like that. But we know full well it's not going to happen. But it looks like that us, the board, are on the fans' side. That'll keep the fans happy. And we'll just say, Paul, you're on, you know, you're on watch now. But at the end of the day, if they didn't get rid of him after this season, then, you know, he'll have probably two or three good wins at the start of next year. And they go, oh, we might as well resign for another two more years. Chuck that on top. Yes, that's my dog. Jeez. I mean, it's the most weak need spineless board that there is. And the fact that they were looking at Shane Flanagan as a replacement coach when there's other options available. Why only put all your baskets in the Flanagan basket? There's Jeff Toovey out there. There's Anthony Griffin out there. There's bloody Neil Henry out there. There are options if you want them. But the club's yeah. just gone, no, we don't want them. We just want to go and sort of sidle up to this one who we know is not going to get the gig to make it look as if we're doing something productive even though we're not. Like if the answers are, well, you know, let's either go with the guy that's been a failure for the last few years for us or the guy that's not even allowed to coach, the question is the wrong thing. <laughs> it's they're asking the wrong question. Like, exactly what the right. hell, man? Like, they could just get, they could ring up Jeff Tuvey tomorrow and say, Jeff, we can't offer you much money. And he'd go, he'd bite their arm off. He'd be, he'd probably walk in the door and say, I've been waiting outside the door this whole time. I was just waiting for my phone to ring. Um, unbelievable. And I just think that it, it really is like, I know what it's like to be in a position where your club is under the control of somebody that is just completely out of their depth and is not a first-grade coach, and it is absolutely terrible. Um, so I know how Dragons feel, but the problem is that there's no light at the end of the tunnel for them right now, and that's got to be really heartbreaking. Yeah, you have to put all of their eggs into his basket, and... Now they're looking like they're going to replace Widdop with Bird. It's almost like you just you're replacing one injury-prone player with another one. Yeah. And how much money do they need to spend on playmakers? I mean, they're yeah. going to put Bird in centres, or they're going to put him at five eighth, or where are they going to put him? And are they spending all their money on a centre? Like really? Yeah. It just you know, it just doesn't seem smart. It seems like. You know what, there's a lot of, it feels like there's a lot of decisions that are made at the Dragons that are made with the idea of just saving jobs. Look, it's also about getting getting players who have been with the club before back there. Because that's Jack Burr was a Dragons junior. But they didn't want him at the time. They didn't fight hard enough for his signature when he was a junior and the Sharks got him. Mm. Now all of a sudden he's established himself. He's played a bit of origin. He's won a premiership. Let's try and get him back now. Sure, he's a bit injury prone. We might probably get him on the cheap. I bet they don't. Um, the fact that it's they terrible. were looking at the only options to replace McGregor was a former St. George player in Shane Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised they didn't have another crack at Nathan Brown given he was available. Yeah, but, I was half expecting that. Hey, or even, yeah. and I, we joked about it, but even Trent Barrett. Yeah. I'm surprised they weren't in, in the discussion because that's all this board does is they are so weak-willed and so scared to have a crack at something outside the club again, despite the fact that the last time they did it, they actually won a fucking premiership. They won't yeah, do it again. The thing is, too, like it's not like 
you know, I could understand the Raiders being like, no, nah, we're getting a former Raider person, right? Because there's been some great coaches at the Raiders. There's, there's that, that uh, almost that line, and, it, you know, t- that Tim Sheen's line sort of thing, where it's like Ricky Stewart. Like, I, I can get that sort of thing, where you've got that line back to great coaches. Where, you, But that's never been the case at the Dragons. No. They've only had one great coach, and they brought him in from Brisbane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they've been nothing like it ever since they got rid of him. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. but And I don't understand those traditions or whatever, uh, especially when they're bad ones. So, it's just boys club mentality. It's, it's stupid. It really it's is. bullshit. And yeah. find me a club where that's actually worked. The West Tigers works. went through it for years. It never worked. Yeah, it never, ever works. Anytime a club feels as though they're that special thing. Oh, we do it well, we do it different here because we're special. No, nah, you don't. Like, it just doesn't work like that. Like, Newcastle has gone through that so many times where they're like, oh, yeah, but we're Newcastle. We're different. And look how terrible Newcastle's been for so long. Um, there's another place they've done that sort of... I mean, I think Brisbane's kind of doing that now with Seabolt. Where yeah, they're they like, are. oh yeah, he's one of our he's one of our guys, and he's a younger coach, and we're paying him heaps heaps of money, and he's going to be here for twenty years because that's how we do it in Brisbane, and all the players want to come and play for us, and that's just not how it works. Yeah, it's it's not going to work out at all, and wish clubs would get better at that. Let's see, the thing that gets me too is okay, I'm not a Dragons fan at all, but mm-hmm. I hate seeing really top quality squads playing like crap especially when the players are busting their ass. And yeah, those Dragons I, players are busting their backsides and playing like dog shit because the, the game plans they've got there are just woeful. Yeah, they're garbage. And the other thing is, too, like the Dragons have a whole heap of players I really like watching. Um, and when the Dragons are going good, there's some there's like an electricity about when the Dragons are, are one of the better teams in the competition. It's like... You know, seeing that red V running out and big with big crowds, and it was it's the pointy end of the season. To me, there's something about that that I just love. You know, I mean, can you imagine seeing the Dragons playing South Sydney in the grand final? Like, oh, would there be anything better than that? That would be incredible. And so, I don't like seeing a big club like the Dragons, and I think they're. You know, they're probably the biggest club in Sydney overall. I just don't like seeing them just wasting away for mismanagement. Yeah. It's atrocious. Mm. Um, We we feel your pain, Dragons fans. Yeah, it's very sad. I just, you know, I I mean, I'd love to know how their season tickets sell this year, uh, this off-season, sorry, going into next year and... It's going to be interest, interesting to see what their crowds are like. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Dragons fans are at the point now where they're like, no, nah, we're, we're making a stand and not we're just not paying any more money into this. Yeah. Now, we'll move on to this last story. Mm-hmm. Um, let's call it, we'll call this the deja vu section. Okay. Phil Rothfield has written an article. Yeah with a title, Referees Look More and More Likely to Blow It in the NRL Finals. Now, we've only seen this in the last, I don't know, 10, 
probably State of Origin series, mm-hmm. and the last ten probably final series where yeah. oh the referees are going to ruin Origin because of this penalty crackdown, or the referees are going to do this, they're going to do that, and going no, they're going to do their job. And you should do yours and stop bitching about fucking referees and go and report on something, you lazy bastard. I'm sick of it. Yeah, write on the game. Write a bit something about the game. How about that? Yeah. What happens in the game? Yeah. Do some analysis. How about how about writing that shit on the weekend when the referees were so damn good? Yeah. Give them praise when they deserve it. Yeah. Still. I'm just, I'm sick of, I'm sick of having to come out and constantly um, complain about this ref bashing bullshit that goes on all the time because it is, it's entirely agenda driven and, and it's just, you know what? It's lazy and it really is bullshit. Like if the referees really stuff up, you and me will be the first person to say, Hey, look, they got that wrong. They got that really wrong. Or if there's a game they really ruin, like, I'll be the first person to say, man, that referee ruined that game. Uh, but, you know, they've been fantastic. They've been really, really... This week, I think the refereeing for the two games that we watched was just exemplary. Yeah, I've I've got no beef with how they've officiated um, the finals, the origin pretty much much of the year. Um, the only criticism I've got of the referees comes from last year mm-hmm. when, and it wasn't their doing, it was the NRL, mm-hmm. um, forced them to, to abandon the crackdown they were doing because that crackdown was starting to work. Yeah. It was starting to bear fruit. Then all of a sudden, pretty much Rothfield and Phil Gould led this massive chorus of whinging old dinosaurs bitching and moaning about all the penalties in the game. The same dinosaurs who bitched and moaned about all the wrestling in the game and all the slowing down that's going on in the ruck, they were too dumb to realise that what the referees are doing with these penalties was trying to clear that shit up. Oh, there's too many penalties. This game's a farce. And then yeah, and Phil Gould coming out saying, oh, I could fix the referees in you know 15 minutes for free. It's just posturing. If, you want, if you're going to do it for free, Phil, Write an article in one of the newspaper columns you've got and explain out your whole thing there. If you're going to do it for free, put it in the newspaper and tell them this is how you fix it up. But no, he won't do it because they go and implement all of that and he wouldn't get credit for it, and that's what he wants. Still waiting for him to fix up the Panthers, eh? Yeah, he's he's just posturing. Yeah, no windbag. He just sits there and yells about how the sky's falling again now. And yeah, it's you know, funny you say that. I used to write so many articles calling... Uh, it's calling cool uh, every so often somebody would do the skies falling sort of, you know, argument that these guys are doing. And I'd call them Henny Penny over and over again. <laughs> oh. You know, the thing is, though, with Rothfield, you're kind of used to it. I don't get upset with it because I'm just, that's what he does. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm upset and disappointed that it's Phil Gould doing it now because, and I still genuinely believe this, he is one, he is possibly the sharpest analytical mind this game has and he's he is throwing it away to sit here and bitch and moan about referees and you know the other thing is too we watched i mean that manly versus south game was two hours of just wow just unbelievable can't take my eyes off the tv 
one thing happening after another. Damn how much, how cool is rugby league? And then we watch the Storm, who are just the definition of a clinical football side, one of the great rugby league teams we've ever had on. You know, they're closing out this decade where they're still so damn good, even though they've lost so many great players. And the best coach team of all time, I'm willing to say that. And they just shut down a team that had just put on a record scoreline in a finals game. And how, how do you watch all of that football and watch all of those performances and come out of it whinging? Like, if you're whinging after watching that, you don't like rugby league. Because, damn, there was some good rugby league on the weekend. Like, that try by Josh Adokar, I was screaming my lungs out. Like, I could not believe that was one of the greatest wingers tries I've ever seen. It was a thing of absolute beauty. How do you watch this stuff and not say, I just love this game. This is great. Just give me more of it. Just pump it into my veins. You know, put it right next to the thing where the coffee goes in and just put it straight in the vein. <laughs> and and I don't know how you watch all of this and, and go, yeah, the referees are rarer than the game. Like, the games are great. What are you talking yeah. about, you idiots? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't get it. I just, I don't get what the agenda is. I don't know what he wants the referee to look like. I don't know how, if, if he wants to turn it back to what it was in 1990 when there was about 14 or 15 penalties called per game. Hang on. Yeah, 15, 15 and a half penalties per game compared to uh, 13 this year. Yep. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Neither do I. And you and know what I think? I think what it is, here's what I reckon it is. I, I, it's, it's being lazy, right? Because it's so easy to say, I don't like the referee. And when it changes... You change the goalposts, so you still don't like the referee. And then you change back, and you want this, and, you know, all of these suggestions. When people are like, oh, I think they should change this rule and stuff, it's easier to do that than to talk about what actually happened in the game. And that's what I think it comes down to. Um, because, the, I mean, rugby league is in a beautiful place. We're seeing things happen in, in you know, you can't go for 10 minutes watching an NRL game without seeing something that makes you go, wow. And it might just be a run by Ford who drags three or four players with him. And you'll, it's like, this is absolutely powerful play. Or it might be like Josh Adokar deciding he's going to just put down one of the best. Uh, it's literally maybe the best wingers try I've ever seen in my life on the weekend. Like, these these are great moments in our game that we're seeing happen nearly every single week. If you're not enjoying this, maybe Phil Gould and all these people should go and do something else. Because, damn it, rugby league is really fucking cool to watch. Yeah. And it keeps getting better and better and better despite all of this hate it, in the media. It really does. It really does. And you look at the, what we've got on this weekend is just unbelievable. Like, we got... You know, we've got South Sydney are in a preliminary final. They're going down to Canberra where it'll be, you know, a, a spring day in Canberra, bloody freezing cold. It's going to be a packed crowd. They're going to blow a horn and clap really slowly, and they're going to try and not choke. And then you, we go to the SCG, and we see the, the storm trying to break the rooster spirit. Ah, oh, like, how can you not like it? I don't know why they're whinging. 
they, and they the, just don't like the games. So, and there's the prospect that we could have a repeat of the 1908 final, South versus Roosters. Crazy. Or we could have the Roosters playing the Raiders who have making it for the first time since 94. Or, you know, we might see the Storm take well, imagine it. Imagine that. Know, Melbourne takes on Canberra, and then we get another game where Canberra comes from behind again. Do you remember, like, do you remember when Super League was happening and they were talking about, imagine what it would be like if Canberra took on a team from Melbourne? Yeah. Like, this, these are, we're seeing things that are incredible in this game. And anybody that's running around and whinging about it, tell them to go and watch something else because rugby league's pretty good. Exactly right. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. Thank you. <laughs> you did pretty well too, Andrew. <laughs> uh, some of these people that we just get me a bit, uh, they get my goat. I'm not we saying know. it's all of them either. It's just, it seems to be just a handful now, a small collection. Yeah. Um, I think I said to you too last week that I sat down to watch the, uh, you know, my, my favorite episode of NRL 360 every week is Tuesday night when they get Crawley on there mm-hmm. because he's good for a laugh. Mm. Not because he's funny, but because he's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but they've now do this thing where they've got D is it Dean Ritchie on there as well with them? Oh no. And that just kills it because oh, he's the worst. He just sucks the life out of everything. Yeah, he's the he's the worst. And Dean Ritchie. He was, he was so clueless that poor Kent was giving him an education. Yeah. And then once he realised he was in the wrong, he then changed the subject. Yeah. And I went, nah, no one does that better than Crawley. What don't take it, don't earlier take in the year. Oh, he was blowing up about the team songs. They all yeah. sound the same. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of the point, you idiot. But that, that's the thing, though, okay? That's how great rugby league was going, was that the crisis merchants could only think of team songs sounding the same the as songs. an idea to whinge about. They, they don't like the game. Nah. And you know what? I, like having done some of this radio stuff for the Canterbury Cup, right? And it's the Canterbury Cup. I'm not going to NRL games to do this stuff. When you're doing this stuff, you've got, you're like treated like a king. Like you've got the best seats in the house. You're hanging out watching the footy. If you're not calling it, which you enjoy anyway, because that's what you're doing, you're out watching the game and just chilling and watching it from the very best seats in the house. How much those seats cost? I not enjoy it. How much those seats cost? Uh, I, I don't even know. I never have the fucking money to look. <laughs> Fairly certain that they probably get in very cheaply. Oh, well, like they, they, they'll all get in for free. All these journos and stuff. And they they whinge about it. All they do is whinge, whinge, whinge. It's like, man, uh, I just don't know. And, like, I was watching the games on the weekend, right? And I was watching them on Channel 9. And if I could turn off the commentary and just hear the ground noise, the, like the ground microphone, I would do it in a second because the commentary is horrifyingly bad. Like, all they do is whinge about the referees. They commentate refereeing. They don't commentate football. Yeah, I must admit, um, I was I was watching on Fox, and they... They're a little bit more um, restrained this week. So when the, the Cameron Smith sin binning happened, and I think one of the others, they had their, 
a minute or so of when you're complaining and then they move on. And you know yeah. what? I can stomach that. Yeah. Have you say, if you don't agree with it, fine. I'll, I'll respect your, your right to say your, you say your piece, say your piece, get it out of the system, move on. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Fox team have been really good at. And yeah. I can respect that. I can accept that. Even if it's the same, the same people having the same wins all the time. Mm-hmm. If it's only when something happens that's, that instigates it, then fine. I'm happy with that. But having one incident and then having the commentators bitch and moan about it for the next half hour, mm. that doesn't make for good TV. No. That That's torture for, the, for the, the listener and the viewers at home. I don't know why they think that's a great idea. Someone should be shown to feel good there, right? After he's spoken for a minute about the Simbin, wrap it up. Move on. Yeah. Because the yeah. game has. I, yeah. I don't... Yeah, I... And the game is... I mean, the game moves on and great stuff's happening. And they're still winching about stuff that happened 10 minutes ago. Yeah, stuck in the past, oddly mm. enough. Mm, exactly. So, um... Yeah, that's the uh, the week before. Oh, we've Over. also got the big mm-hmm. announcement out of West Tigers territory. Oh yeah, we we did lose some good news to the end. Yeah, that is uh, Benji Marshall has agreed to uh, play on for next year, just on a one year deal. Mm-hmm. He hasn't stated whether it'll be his last year or not. Mm-hmm. He's just stated this will be you know this is how it's going to go from here on in. I guess it's just going to be one week. Uh, sorry, one year deals. But I personally don't see him going beyond next year. I'd be, yeah, I feel as though uh, he will do next year. And I think he will retire the year early rather than the year too late. And I feel as though he probably is at that point in his life where he's between, um, like he's probably thinking about life after football a lot more now than he ever has. But he still feels like he'd like to. He hasn't finished with his football yet, and I think by the end of next year, he'll probably still be playing really well. I think if it was just football wise, he's probably got another two years in him for sure. But I think that he'll be ready at the end of next year for other stuff in life. And I'm so happy because Benji Marshall. I mean, he's one of my favourite players of all time. He's an absolute legend. The club needs him really badly. Um, they need his his guidance around the field. He's one of their best players this year, and so I was so happy to see him uh, re-sign for another year. Yeah, so it'll be his 18th season next year. Wow! And who'd have thought that when he was getting his his shoulders done? Yeah, I know that's crazy, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, to think that he's have a quick look at his stats here. He'll be 35. He'll be 35 next year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's talk he's actually going to be picked in the uh, the Kiwi squad at the end of the year as well. So well, I'll tell you what, if it's if him and Foran in, are in the halves, like, mm. damn. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd have him ahead of, I'd have Benji ahead of Johnson, easy. So the good news here is it means that Benji will get to play his 250th game for the Tigers next year. Mm-hmm. So he's got nine games to go to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd have to wind the clock back a bit, but he's nine tries away from 100 for his career. Ooh. He hasn't done nine in a season since 2011. Okay. So he'd have to, yeah. He'd have he'd to. Have to I feel like he'd 
have to stay healthy. Like, not miss those one or two weeks here or there. Yeah, I think, too, it'll probably mean he'd have to run, take the line on a bit more, too. Yeah. Because he's been playing the role of distributor and and setting plays up uh, this year, and he's been bloody fantastic at it. Um, I think the only charge he's got have been backing up that sort of thing. You know, speaking of great players, uh, that reminds me today, Greg Inglis had a run with the team, a Bush team, hey? Did he? Yeah, yeah. I actually like the sound of that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I can't remember who the team was, but uh, one of the people that uh, I did commentary with yesterday and did the show with today, um, his name's Jeremy. I don't know his last name, but he's a really good bloke and he's uh, got contacts with the South Club and we're sitting there watching the game today and he said, hey, have a look at this. It's Greg Inglis out playing footy today. And he didn't look like I was just a still picture. I don't know how he played. I don't know any more than that. He didn't look too bad physically, considering mm. he's had the year off. But it's probably good for him in terms of maybe finding a way to transition into retirement. But I also, I, and I, this is based on nothing. Like, this is based on absolutely nothing. It's just me mostly wishfully thinking, could he come back? Yeah, it's, I, I'll put it this way. Mm-hmm. I think physically he can still handle the NRL. Yeah. I think the problems he's been having have been, um, you know, mentally with the game. And for a superstar, it can, it can, I can only imagine it can get very, the workload can get very daunting and very heavy. Mm-hmm. Maybe the week, the year off, which well, has been almost two years off really, has mm-hmm. helped him to just refine that love for just playing the game of footy. If he could find a club to go to where he didn't have to be a superstar or a captain or anything like that, just go up, do your thing. And you know where that would work pretty well would be the Gold Coast. See, I, I, you know, I, and I say this with every player, Storm. I know. Go to the Storm. <laughs> I know. I just think... I just think at, he could go to the go to the Titans. Yeah, he wouldn't go there as a flop because he never has been. He goes yeah. there and he plays to win, and he's an absolute match winner. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, and Mal could protect him in the media. Yeah, they're, they're very tight. He could just say, "You know what? Greg's not going to do much media at all this year. He just wants to come here, play footy. That's it. Do his bit. That's all he wants to do. Just leave him with that." Take Christian. Don't give him the captaincy or vice captaincy. Don't even put him in the leadership group. He can be a leader on the field, but don't get him involved in any of the stuff at the club. Just let him turn up and play footy and enjoy it. And I think you'd probably see one of his better seasons. What if he went to the uh, the North Queensland Cowboys? Mm -hmm. Just on the wing. I I think they'd probably want a bit more from him, though, if he went there. You reckon? Yeah, because see, the Cowboys are a team who, at the moment, would look at this season and go, we've underachieved again. And so mm-hmm. if they were to get someone like Rigmas, they'd say, right, we need you to perform because we need to be in the finals. Whereas the Titans, are, they're at rock bottom. Yeah. So they're in this phase where they're not trying to build um, a team to get straight back into the finals. 
they need to get themselves successful and competitive again. So Inglis for one or two seasons there could be enough to draw some really elite players to the club mm-hmm. as they transition out of the, his time there. And he'd be up there near where his family is as well because he's, he's from up that way, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, he's from New South Wales, but, you know, the Gold Coast yeah. is not that far over the border. Yeah. So I just think that it would be a really good fit for him, especially if he was just able to, you know, concentrate on playing footy. Um, I think it would work well. You know that's what if the, the thing for me is? I want somebody in North Queensland that's a monster so that they've got to deal with Tal Malolo and another monster. And like Greg Inglis, if Greg Inglis is only running as fast as I can run right now, he's still going to be throwing people off like just this monster. I just, I love the thought of, you know, you play North Queensland, you've got to deal with these two super athletes. I think that'd be great. <laughs> that would be insane, especially if they're uh, on the same side of the field. Yeah, uh, I'd just be so good. Like, I don't know too many players that are that sort of, like, just weapon, you know. And Greg Inglis, I bet Greg Inglis right now could throw in our real players around like Ragdoll still. Um, But I just, I do. I love the idea of, like, that's why I I was talking the other day about what would it be like if you, you had, like, you know, Red Radra went to the North Queensland Cowboys or Sevo uh, uh, went there and, you you know, you deal with one super athlete and then you've got Tal Malolo running off the back of that. Oh, I just... I love watching the Cowboys just to watch Tal Malolo. I just want more of it. Yeah. No, he's, he's an absolute weapon, that bloke. So, yeah. That's, that's been a good episode. I just want to make a real quick mention. Um... Next Sunday at Bankwest Stadium at 3.05, the Newtown Jets are playing the Wentworthville Magpies. And it's going to be really, really good Canterbury Cup final, uh, grand final, sorry. Um, The thing about the Maggies is that they have Tim Manor in the team, and it's probably going to be his last game. And it's going to be at Bankwest Stadium. And between that and, and like the way that the Maggies have played Wentworthville, they they're a little bit the way that the um Dragons started the you know when the Dragons went on that four game winning streak earlier mm. this year? Yeah. They kind of play the same way, but they play the same way every week. Like they just try their ass off, they smash you in the middle of the field, and they just break you and it's so cool to watch them. And them coming up against the Jets who have a really, really strong supporter base. I mean, I was at Cogra today, and I dare say that the Jets fans outnumbered the Dragons fans, which was kind of a shock. Um, there could be a really, really good crowd there. Bankwest Stadium is fantastic to go to, so if you've got any interest in just going out and watching a game of footy um, and you want to see Bankwest, do it on Sunday. Game kicks off at 3 or 5. Um, I think there's some other junior games before that as well. I I don't know if I'll be calling the game, but I think I'll be there in some capacity. And I just wanted to get everyone onto it because I've really enjoyed just sitting down and watching this footy and the the level of football that they're playing is really, really good too. So I just thought I'd talk about that a little bit. And um, if anyone's interested in going out, yeah, go and buy a ticket during the week. I don't know if they're on sale yet or not, but uh, get a ticket and check out Bank West while you're there. 
Furthermore, Manners has been playing pretty bloody well too in the last last few weeks. He he really has. He um, it's been know, good seeing him get back to that form where he's just a genuine handful running through the middle. It's not like he's playing against you know complete second rate players either. There's a lot of first grade players in those sides. Like I think he was up against George Burgess this weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, George Burgess played. You know what? He uh, they dominated George Burgess. George Burgess was just. If George Burgess was dropped back to find some form, it you wouldn't pick him next week for Souths. And I know they will, but um yeah, they the way that he has played, um Josh Hoffman as well has been Josh Josh Hoffman has played so well at this level that if New Zealand call him up at test level, I would not be shocked and I'd be like, Yeah, that's a pretty good call up. That's how good he's been playing. That's uh, that's a pretty good game to get down to. So get out there, people. Check that out, and um, yeah, get down there and support Timmy Manor, which on what could I dare say it is his last game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would be. And uh, I was saying, Bankwest Stadium is the house that Timmy Manor built. So get out there and and wish him all the best, and make sure he come on went with Phil Maggie's. Come on, get out and get more people there than the Jets, because you know the Jets are going to be turning up in big numbers. I'll be going for Newtown purely because they've got the uh, the Sharks low grades players, and I'll get disowned if I don't go for them. Yep. Well, <laughs> at, at some point, self preservation kicks in, Andrew, and I admire that in a person. You know, it um, does, yes. I, I'm going to be going for Wenty because um, I don't have to. I don't have to worry that I'm going to get strangled in my sleep at night. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and, and on that uh, rather haunting note. Because <laughs> I've got to go to sleep soon. Yeah. Mm. Shh. She might hear you. <laughs> might set up a sleeping bag in the laundry. <laughs> Prop something up against the door. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, we'll have another episode out soon. So until then, we'll catch us later. Yes. And uh, that's it. Goodbye.